So in January, I think January 3rd is the day they swear in the, the new Congress uh, up in Washington, D.C., the Republicans will take over the House of Representatives, and presumably there'll be a new uh, agenda and some new inquiries into entities across the United States. One of them that Republicans have become increasingly concerned about, and I think it's legit, is big tech and the concept of social media censorship. And I think leftist liberals, who are now leftists, unfortunately, have really exposed themselves in the last couple of weeks that Elon Musk bought Twitter, took over Twitter, is allowing more people to say more on that platform than ever before. A broader diversity, I mean, diversity is so important, (laughs) supposedly, A, a, a broader diversity of people to say more diverse things without censorship, and that is what is driving the left and some of the big celebrities who have enjoyed you know, having their audience, I mean, people who know nothing but have lots to say about everything, <laughs> you know, they're, they're saying this is just too much, so they're getting off of Twitter. Uh, that, that's a problem. And uh, how do you balance this, and should the government have any role in it? Especially if if a major company is using big tech to squash one side or the other. And in this case, it appears that big tech has really conspired to squash conservatives, squash Republicans, and, you know, most recently, deliberately cause harm to uh, Donald Trump. So what what are Republicans supposed to do about it? Ryan Lovelace is a reporter with The Washington Times. Are, are they, you know, showing their hand here at all, Ryan? I think so. I think we've seen, um, you know, a little bit of these last few months of what Republicans want to go after. But now what I'm hearing is that House Republicans are kind of honing in on their targets. They're picking out specific companies, specific issues at those companies and getting ready to kind of send up a flurry of information requests once they get that control of the House that will provide them the opportunity to do investigations that they haven't done for the last few years, you know, since Many of these social media platforms booted off former President Trump, um, let alone many others on these digital platforms. There hasn't really been a government investigation into what happened affecting these government officials. And now what I'm hearing is that Republicans in particular, you know, at the House Judiciary Committee are going to be going after companies like Google and it's YouTube that it owns, Twitter, Facebook, also Amazon, Apple, TikTok, Microsoft, all of those kinds of companies. Um, while their counterparts on the House Energy and Commerce Committee is going to be particularly looking at what the Biden administration might have been doing behind the scenes to encourage those companies to take censorship actions. Well, it's an odd situation to be in where you want to investigate censorship, but normally what you get out of a public hearing in Congress is news coverage, right? You know, even if you can't do anything about it, at least you can bring it to light and and generate a public conversation about whatever topic you're concerned about. In this case, if the big tech companies are censoring things in the first place, why do we have any confidence that this is going to move the needle with the general population uh, at all? Because I would suspect they they'd squash this, too. I think that's a very important question and an open question at this point. I think one of the reasons why Republicans say that they want to begin these investigations is ultimately to expose what happened first, because so much of what's going on at the companies is, in fact, private. 
And the contention of some Republicans is that, in effect, this censorship is being driven by, encouraged by the government in a way that if it was the government overtly doing it, many more people would have a problem with it. But when a private company does it at the behest of the government without the explicit um, you know, decree, a law, even a rule, or some kind of regulation, that it gets away with it. And yeah. so I think the first step that Republicans want to do is expose it. And I, I, you know, where it goes from there remains to be seen. Obviously, with Democrats running things in the Senate, passing any kind of um, legislation on a bipartisan basis across two chambers that has to do with speech restrictions seems highly unlikely. There are other areas in tech where they may find some common ground, but it's difficult to see how that becomes one of them. Because as you noted, many folks on the left are concerned about having um, you know, Twitter be the kind of platform where more people can say more things. As they decry a censorship of themselves, it's really a a, a bizarre uh, thing to see. As you as you go around D.C., Ryan Ryan Lovelace is one of the uh, congressional reporters at the Washington Times and tech reporters uh, specifically. Is there anybody on the on the Democrat side of the aisle who privately acknowledges? that things may have gotten out of hand, that there is a certain level of collusion between Democrats in government agencies or Schedule C political appointees within government agencies, you know, appointed by the president, the new president, the Democrat president, and that that maybe some lines are being crossed that if the tables were turned, which I guess eventually they will be, there'll be a Republican president back in the White House at some point, they wouldn't be happy with? Not quite. We have heard some talk from Democrats about TikTok that is noticeably different from when President Trump was in office. Good point. I believe it was Senator Mark Warner came out, the Virginia Democrat who um, is on the Intelligence Committee, has actually come out and talked about how some of the Republican concerns were right that Democrats kind of scoffed at during the Trump administration years. And so we've seen that aspect of things. But really, many Democrats are actually now... You know, I think folks are familiar with the terms misinformation and disinformation is the watchwords that liberals use to describe information on social media sites and tech platforms that they find abhorrent or objectionable or controversial. And now there's a new term um, that they're also throwing in the mix, which is malinformation. Malinformation, unlike mis and disinformation, is not untrue. It's not false. It's true information. It's just true information that's unflattering or can cause problems. And by throwing true information into the mix, that that makes a whole new set of problems, um, let alone free speech issues. But having issues with the spread of truth is just something that's embarrassing. It's not necessarily something that's wow. So they're really going that far. Misinformation is something everybody should be worried about, right or left. You know, if people just flat out lie or make up data, that's what I was dealing with when I was in the Middle East. Was people who would take old videotape or old stories or a picture of a dead little girl that was 10 years old the picture was 10 years old and they would try to pass it off as contemporary and cause a riot in you know today for something that happened a decade ago and and that was very frustrating to try to fight back against that's misinformation but really they're they're openly acknowledging that their real concern is you're just not supposed to write anything that makes us look bad even if it's true That's right. That's right. And we've heard a few different government agencies now in the Biden administration even talk about this. The Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency has a particular concern about malinformation. There's folks 
at the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, which is the Defense Department's R&D arm, looking at experiments about how foreign actors can use malinformation, true information. And I think the main concern, the thing that they're worried about, at least from the foreign influence sense, is about situations like what unfolded in 2020 with the George Floyd protests and unrest nationwide being the kind of thing where when there's a spark that's lit and it's combustible in the online speech sense and people are hot and bothered and angry, that someone comes through from a foreign actor sense or another malicious person and tries to pour gasoline on the fire and keep getting people more and more angry. And I think that's the driving concern there. The problem, of course, is that when it's not a foreign person or when you can't tell whether it's a foreign person, yeah. trying to tamp down the speech of someone who's an American that has the First Amendment rights of free speech, it becomes a huge problem that is not of top of mind concern for the Biden administration's uh, bureaucrats in the same way that it has been for others in the past. Yeah, it is a remarkable situation that we find ourselves in in this modern era. I mean, if you compare 2022 to let's say 1992, you still had riots in California, like the Rodney King situation in California. Those those issues still occurred, and occasionally there was something that happened in New York or, I don't know, in Chicago that, that could trace itself back to the anxiety or the anger in California, but it wasn't frequent. And now that we're so interconnected instantaneously you don't have to wait for the washington times to publish or for the nbc nightly news to come on it, you're instantly connected if you want to be outraged in a in a country this big with 330 million people and thousands and thousands and thousands of square miles uh from point a to point b you're always going to find something that will be unpleasant angering frustrating this is just a really difficult situation to navigate if you're vulnerable to that if you if you get yourself worked up every time something bad happens yeah that's right and i think it's going to be the kind of um you know thing that develops over these next few years is really going to be a major choice both for the american people and the u.s government about what kind of internet and online speech environment and conversation do we want to have yeah. do we want to have an environment that's frankly, more like China, where they're more concerned about harmony than freedom, where they want equity and sameness, where people uh, don't just step over a line? Or do we want the thing that has traditionally existed here in the United speech, the kind of idea that the best solution to bad speech is more speech? It can get noisy and uncomfortable and rancorous, but at the same time, the signal is in there somewhere, and the American people have been smart enough to figure it out for themselves. Oof. I think that's one of the things we're going to see House Republicans get at when they start launching some of these investigations. They've tipped their hand that they're interested to see what the Biden administration's Federal Communications Commission might have been doing behind the scenes to try to regulate broadcasters over right. mis disinformation. And I think that's the kind of thing that's going to continue to go on. Yeah. Well, I, one thing I'm sure of is I don't want anyone in the Democratic Party making those decisions for me because I think they've I think they've already demonstrated they're incapable of being fair, honest, or objective. So, I mean, you know, maybe they'd say the same thing back at Republicans, but <laughs> I think they're pretty much on the record. Wow, what a mess uh, going forward. Ryan Lovelace, uh, tech reporter, congressional reporter in the Washington Times. I appreciate the chance to talk to you always. Thanks, Ryan. Thank you.